0: Invisible
1: Soldiers Podcast Welcome to the Invisible Soldiers Podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Rebecca. And this week we have a special episode for you. Due to all of the layoffs happening around the country, we really wanted to tap in on how that affects our industry and talk about ways to navigate that. How to see the signs and to talk about the distinction between being fired. Versus a layoff. Obviously, Rebecca, we've been in the game a long time, so we've seen a lot of this before.
0: Too many. It's like a it's cyclical.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nothing puts fear in your heart like when you hear those words that you know layoffs are coming. It usually starts in the rumor mill, or sometimes there's something big on the news that kind of lets you know. But it's different than being fired because usually when people fire, is performance based, right? True there is a track record that lets you know you were not living up to the level that your employer wanted or expected you to live up to, right? You've been pulled to the side. Maybe there was a bad evaluation. Maybe you've even been put on probation. But the layoff has nothing to do with you. It's business related. It's bottom lines you know, being in the red or being in the black. Right. And I think for a lot of people, that's just a lot harder to accept.
0: A hundred percent. It's, it's hard to accept that the business that we're in is for profit. I think that's the other thing too, is that, you know, sometimes it's not always as black and white as thinking about being the red and in the black. Sometimes it's also making sure that we are protecting profit margins. And while that sounds crazy, just from a business perspective, Inside of the profit lives how we are able to promote you, how we're able to bonus out. So, you know, we get so attached to the work that we are doing and we want to win the awards. And don't get me wrong, Corey, there is no one in this business that does not want to win a Can Lion. For sure. But also we want to make sure that we are fulfilling the expectations of our clients, which is the work moves, the production of things, the sale of things. So... Yes. We have to know that, you know, at the end of the day, when layoffs do come, you know, it is associated to how well the business is running or what expectations that one might have. Like if you're in a major agency and there's a holding company like that also shifts how people get laid off.
1: For sure. And for all the creatives out there, this is what distinguishes us from an ad school, right? Ad school is just about making cool ads for the sake of cool ads, right? Business, once you enter the industry, it's about creative business solutions, right? So there is a business solution attached to every creation that you make.
0: Do you feel like when you were like coming through though agencies, like in your junior copywriter years, your copywriter years, even like maybe even through associate creative director, they let you know that you were in a business. Could you connect that dot back then?
1: As a junior, no. I would say as a as a junior, your head is everything is coming at you so fast and your head is spinning. You are just trying to keep up with the pace of the job. You're trying to learn the best practices, get the right reps and all of that stuff. No, you're not thinking about business. You're trying to figure out what's in front of you. Right. It's not only after when you start going to client meetings and you start getting in front of the client. I think that was the first time I was like, oh. Okay, this is business when you see what pisses the client off. And what usually pisses the client off is when we don't solve the business problem. Hmm. So that's when I was like, Oh, I got it, you know. But I think when you're not in front of the client, I think it would be easy for you to not understand how those two go together.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Like again, a hundred years ago when I started as an account person. It was always just about the work, right? Like, again, I was just a traffic coordinator moving routers, you know, and you pop in and you have this person sign it. For those of you who are not analog, we actually used to go into the office and we had things that we would print out, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, film that we would review on a light box. But I don't ever recall really knowing how the business worked. And it wasn't until moving into HR and hiring Where I was like, oh, like I see what's happening, or in terms of like how scopes of work is signed at the beginning of a production, you know, we have this amount of dollars and at the end it costs twice as much. And who has to go across the street and ask for that kind of money and what that does to the hiring? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, like going over production, you don't think about that, but like if we don't get paid for that. If we go over, well, the agency eats that. And if we eat that, then that means that it affects the amount of FTEs that we have. And I don't really recall knowing even what FTE meant, like full-time employee. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I love talking about, especially the creative talent, black creative talent as everyone's ascending in their careers is like the teams that they're building, you know? Yeah. Really thinking about their profitability. If you have a solid ass team. And you can attack the creative problems. Like you can trust the people that are on your team. You've got strong creatives, but they're also good people managers. They know how to hire freelancers. They know how to keep the project going online. Those types of creative directors, that discipline, it's so exciting to see. And I've seen some of these creative directors now start like little shops. You know, again, like, you know, our podcasts in general, you're not invisible, <laughs> you know, like right. they're fully out here, you know, even yourself, you know, I'm sure you are doing all the things, you know, whether it's winning new business, you know, building organic business beyond making a really dope spot. You're also, you know, hopefully keeping the business going so that like we can all stay employed.
1: Yeah. So have you ever been laid off?
0: Oh, come on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, well, you know what? I'm blessed. I ha- I've never, I've never <sighs> been laid off. I've never done yeah. A yeah. So let's get into that. Like now I will say you and I have both witnessed massive layoffs.
0: Yeah, and I've done them because of what I do for a okay. living. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it is
1: the it is the weirdest thing to like show up on like a Friday Oof. and um all of a sudden you start getting these like emails or text messages from friends, people hitting you up on Messenger and they're like, Yo, have you talked to so and so? And it's like
0: Oh, so that's how that happens because Corey, I'm on the other side because you and I play on different sides of the thing, right so right, right, i'm on right. the I'm on the day before looking at the list
1: <laughs> okay know? well okay well
0: well talk, talk to me about what it's like on the on the business side, like when things start kind of buzzing around, things don't feel secure around here.
1: It's like a slow train coming. You can usually feel the tide turning. You can tell when you are in good favor with the client from a creative side. Like you can feel that. You can feel it when your account counterparts have these great relationships, and then you can feel when that starts to wane. You can feel when you know somebody hasn't been out to dinner or lunch with somebody in a long time. Yeah, in the meetings. No, you can literally feel in the meetings. Like you can feel it in how the work is being received, and then you start to go, "Oh no." So I've seen. I've seen that, I've felt it, you know, and then being in the agency on, you know, when shit finally hits the fan, you like calling around saying, have you seen so-and-so? Or you're going to a a company intranet and you're typing in names and the names aren't Uh. popping up. Or people tell you, if your phone rings, don't answer. (laughs) 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 That's scary. So it's just a part of the business. It's true. It's just a part of it. I don't think it should be as scary as it is, Like, unfortunately, we build lifestyles and lives and homes around what we do for a living. And that can be just snatched from under you at any time, right? Yes. So how do you navigate? How do you read the signs? I know, I'll tell you this, the one thing, because you talked about when did I connect, knowing that this was a business, My dad, being in the industry, always told me. He said, "If you are working for a client, you need to start reading the business page and staying in tune with what's happening." Yes. With that client business, you need to check the stocks. Come on. What's happening? Like you have to, you need to be in tune with these things. And this was early on in my career, and I was like, "Really?" You know. And then, sure enough, yeah, it's true.
0: It's true. And I think the hard part now, I don't know about you, but I work at an agency where we are mostly remote. So, like, you know, not being in the same space is different in terms of how like energy moves as well as information, right? To your point, we would go in and you could kind of feel it. I'm on the other side in terms of like when the business decides to make a decision, I have been oftentimes have to be the person that delivers the news. And that is, heartbreaking, to say the least, to have to deliver that type of news.
1: For sure. I've done it too.
0: Right? It's never about the person delivering the news. It's always about the person that's receiving. So I always try to make sure to do it with dignity and give that person space to share whatever they're feeling in the moment. I think you said it before, like just having the earth move underneath you because you've built a whole life and again because it's a business you've got bills to pay so like you're quickly thinking and I've been laid off too so like quickly thinking how am i going to pay for this and you know pride is attached to it well you know if it's performance based how how did i know how could i have failed you know all the things i think go through your mind on both sides of being let go and having been let go but i will say because i've been in this business you've been in this business too to be honest, and this sounds terrible, but like it's gonna be all right like yeah, <laughs> there' are so like it's such a like there are so many businesses that are growing, there are so many people that are figuring out new work streams, there are so many tools to help you get connected to your next opportunity. you know, I try to continue to uncover people like if somebody reaches out, I love seeing people's LinkedIn profiles that say. I'm open to having a conversation with you. So like the most senior level people are opening their door, their virtual door for you to connect. And if there is a financial opportunity for you to join an organization, and I think people have to remember that. So to your point and what your dad said about reading the trades, I not only do I read Adweek on the digital side, but I have it delivered to my house. So like they had RGA on the front. I think was it RGA. I can't remember which one, but like they just did a bunch of layoffs and Meta did 10,000 yesterday. And yeah. Yeah. so like knowing what's happening, you know, if you are a senior leader in your organization and you are blindsided that you might have to deliver bad news to your people, I would say that this is a lesson for you to start to really lean into your business more. Like if you are a, Creative director and above, if you are uh, head of a strategy department, regardless of your gender or your race, like this is your opportunity to really learn the business so that you can protect your people. To be honest, <laughs> you know, like if you spent so much time building a you know an a, amazing team, you got to know how to manage it.
1: Yeah, you remember the movie uh, Up in the Air? Oh, yes, George Clooney. So, so <laughs> that movie came out two thousand nine. So that was like right. Ooh, after that's the re- right. That was like right after recession, you know, all of these layoffs. And you go watch that movie. And I just remember I had, it, it gave me butterflies in my stomach, man, like watching that and like, you know, people like my kids in college and yeah. you know, like all of that. Yeah. But that's kinda, you know, how it is. Like they give you a box and you gotta go out. I've had to like walk people out before. And, right. You know, it's weird.
0: What's it like after if you're not impacted, what? how does it feel on the team when your leader- There's
1: has survival moved? remorse, like big time. Yeah. You feel weird for still having a job. Mm. You just do. You become attached as a team. Yeah. Because the number of hours, I th- this is what people don't know. So I think we bond on the creative side. We bond yeah. like a sports team.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, We do.
1: We, we are up sometimes two, three in the morning and- working and sending text messages and jumping on Zooms and we are cranking, right? And when you do, when you go through that experience enough and you come out on top and you go in and then you sell the work that it sells and all of that, right? It bonds you. There's a level of trust that you build between each other. Like, I know I can count on you to stay up late, deliver, make the meeting the next day, you know, give a good presentation, like all these check marks, right? You become very tight because I always tell people, if you have a job anywhere, your job is to make your boss look good, right? Yeah. And your boss's job is to make his or her boss look good, right? And the same way that chain travels up when there's disarray and the trust breaks, and I can't count on you to have your assignment at the said time, then that same kind of lack of trust travels all the way up to the top. Ooh. So, it, 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 and then all of the anxiety and anger and fear comes traveling back down and it's a cycle, right? Yeah. So when you finally get in a groove and you're working with people that you trust and everything's going well, and then to just see people let go, it's rough, right? So there is a survivor, survivor's remorse that happens. And then after that, I think from the creative point of view, we are always kind of, you know, because we can go out freelance, there's an independent contractor aspect of what we do anyway, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, it's just about turning on that part of yourself once you get let go, you know, because opportunities are out there. We are makers, creative people. We make things and somewhere somebody needs to get something made.
0: I agree.
1: It's just about it's just about finding who that person is, who those people are. But we make things. We come up with ideas that in the real world manifest and turn into things like TV commercials. And come on. Digital ads and everything else, you know, and sometimes even product innovation, but we're makers. And so I think as long as you stay in a maker mentality, you'll be fine.
0: I agree. And I will say... You know, and I don't always want to be like rose-colored glasses, but I am a forever optimist and I remain optimist and I pray for positive outcomes all the time. I've also seen it give people an opportunity or a runway to pursue other passions. This one woman that I worked with at Global Hue a long time ago was an account person and a solid account person, but she would bring cake into the office all the time. Mm-hmm like all time she'd just be up all night making cakes and then she would also use her PTO just to go to like culinary programs and stuff and I told her I was like I can't wait I can't wait until one day I get your resignation letter cuz you're going to go be a baker and you know or a pastry chef and she finally figured it out and she quit her job not a layoff but I guess what I'm saying is that like I think what's amazing sometimes in those uncertain times is that it can push you to a totally different level of transformation, you know, where you might decide to do something and go out on your own. Again, you know, even watching people go out on their own in terms of building new agencies, shout out to that new agency called The Kitchen Table. I don't know if you've seen that, but a a crew who are kind of going after the dollar as well as I think, Appropriately representing culture, I'm really excited to see what work that they're able to grab. I saw a uh, new talent agency in Adage last week, so even in the midst of shifts and changes in the market, I think you can reinvent yourself. And to your point, Corey, you're a maker. You might have to make something up. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it- hey,
1: this is a time I think when there are a lot more outlets than back in the day. Right. Right. Upwork and all of these different places where, you know, where you can meet the people who have needs. It's just so many more places now. But let's talk about reading the signs, reading the tea leaves. Right. We we hinted about it a little bit, but there are places where you can kind of look for the signs. The first one, I think, is in the agency. You can start to look for those signs that maybe there is some upheaval with your client. Yeah. Where things aren't on the same sturdy ground that they used to be. A lot of times you'll see a lot a lot more huddle ups that just start out of nowhere. And you're like, why does, where is everybody huddling up? Like, what?
0: What's that look like in a virtual world?
1: That's a great question. I have not, I've never been through it uh, mm-hmm. in the virtual world. I've never seen that. So that is a great question.
0: Like, I wonder if it's like, again, like on that side, like I think the relationship about the client is really interesting. And how do you approach that? Like, if you did feel a way, do you would you say something to your account
1: person? If you have the relationship, sure, why not? Mm. You know, but you might not. You might not. You might not get the answer you're looking for, depending on who the person is. And I've been in situations where you, yeah, you don't get a real answer, but you have to pay attention to those things. You just do, yeah. you know. So when you start to feel that little weirdness in the agency, also the weirdness in the client meeting. There's nothing like being in a client meeting and you're presenting, you're giving the best performance of your life, right? (laughs) And you can look at the face and know that they are not paying attention. Yikes. It's like this thing is over.
0: Have you seen (laughs) that before?
1: I have. I have. Oh, man. I have.
0: (laughs) Don't say, don't say.
1: No, no, no. I I would never say, but, but I have. Also think, you know, this is something I saw before. Mergers.
0: Mergers.
1: Mergers are red flag. Because when a merger happens, it sounds like the business is is expanding, right? Yeah. But usually in a merger, (laughs) usually usually in a merger, one side brings their executives in and their executives kind of take charge, right? Yes. And it might not be your client. It might be the side that they're merging with. Yes. And when that happens, that means all the people that you've been reporting to lose all the juice and any favor you have with them means nothing now. Yes. Yes. Right?
0: I've seen that happen a couple of times. And I will tell you the other part about that too is duplication of role. So I saw one, I won't give any names, but I saw a small agency pick up a big piece of business, which meant that they were going to sweep the AOR underneath of them. The AOR had been working on that piece of business for like a hundred years. So these Mm -hmm. new, this new little agency who thought, you know, we're going to come in and tell this major agency how to do their jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, org charts go on the wall. They try to figure out, you know, who's going to lead creative, who's going to lead strategy, you know, so you get into a position where relationships come into play. Absolutely. And a lot of that, to be honest with you, if you've been fortunate to be at a few agencies, even inside of a holding company, a lot of your opportunity comes from the relationships that you build. So like, you know, again, I I recommend for, you know, as you move through your career, you make people your ally, you work hard, you know, to your point you said earlier about making sure that you deliver, you know, you're a trusted teammate. Like that goes so far all the way up into your C-suite role. So like when mergers show up, and you find out that you're going to get like Pac-Man swallowed up by this big person. You know, you you hope that those relationships are there, you know, where you might be able to survive it. But you're absolutely right. It feels like growth, but it is a big impact and shift to what was in some new form that's going to grow. And it may or may not include you.
1: And I was talking about a merger on the client side, and you were talking about it on the agency side. Oh, yeah, is, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, no, but that, that's, a great, that's a great point. Like, it affects both. Right. Yes. So when you see layoffs coming, now you have to start to look around and self-evaluate. You have to say, could it be me? One of the things that we talked about, I think you just hit on for me, professionalism in our business often trumps talent.
0: I think so, too.
1: It's just a fact of life professionalism is what you give me every day talent is the potential of what you may be able to bring me
0: <laughs> right
1: right and if i have to weigh the two and often talent comes with headaches yes you know like that part
0: <laughs> Art.
1: When, when i think about you know when you're, you're building the construction of employees at an ad agency it's a lot like i'm a big basketball fan nba fan so it's a lot like the roster construction for a team, right? You need so many vets. You need some vets yes. on your roster. You need people who've been there, tried, true. They can show other people how to get to the mountain. You need those people, right? You need a certain amount of the young, cheap talent as well. Those people often bring a lot of energy and you know, there's value to them. These are people who can over-deliver their salary.
0: Yes. And they're fresh. They're fresh too, right? They're so like fresh, super optimistic. They'll optimistic. give a lot.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you need a certain amount of young cheap talent on your roster. That's just part of it. And then you start to get to like, okay, I think you need a few glue people. People that everybody likes, makes everybody better, they raise morale, they can always They make working on projects go a little easier, feel a little better. You need a couple of those people, right? Because in the day after day after day grind, a lot of people get worn down, a lot of people start moaning and bitching and you know, and that energy does not produce the best work. Just doesn't.
0: No. No.
1: So when you're giving yourself this self-evaluation, trying to figure out, am I gonna make it or am I gonna not? Or even for the next time, start to think about your professionalism level. Are you the person that's there early? Are you the person that always meets deadline? Are you the person that a manager is always having to run behind and check if you have your work? Are you a self-motivator? These are the self-evaluation questions that you have to ask. And those are the check marks that you want to be hitting. If you're somebody like that, you're valuable to me. I'm really going to, when we had that conversation about like who we letting go, I'm fighting for you.
0: But even as like a senior leader though, like when you are managing your team, I think Meta said that they were letting go of 10,000 people and they said that this is the year of like optimization. And I know that in my organization and shout out to my ECD, he gave me that word last year as well as. We really do need to optimize how we utilize talent and how we staff the business, right? So like that's another part of leadership in the creative side is you know, not only being able to build really great work, but like the types of people that you bring on your team, like the designer, you know, how much design is needed, you know, who's the ninja that can, you know, get out those banners like quickly and like. I think that there has to be a reimagination in how we staff. Like it used to just be like, okay, this job will give all this shit work to the junior, right? (laughs) Yeah. But you could actually be more efficient if you just found a really great talent that loved to do that particular type of work. And there are people that want to do that as opposed to like putting value right, and then like the ability to bring in people that are highly conceptual, creative directors. I worked at... Uh, and I will give them a shout out. When I worked at Team Detroit and they were the AOR for Ford, I worked for this ECD as this creative recruiter. And we had this thing called Train, Talent Resource and Insight Network. I had $2 million in lieu of staff. So instead of hiring full-time people with a budget of $2 million, which is probably back then, maybe about five or six people So I had $2 million to just go and find creatives to come in for like two weeks and just concept on cars. People were giving me numbers. I talked to these designers who used to design the Chanel windows and they came to Detroit and concepted for two weeks on the Drive One campaign. So like as a recruiter anyway, and selfishly talking about what I do, when I have a creative partner who can also see how to optimize their business so that we can find the best talent to service the client like that is when I think you're knocking it out of the park when you're really thinking about it at that time it allowed Team Detroit to then dig into organic growth and they were able to grab the global Ford business and there was like one person assigned to that piece of business and then by the time I was heading out the door that was a six million dollar piece of business. And he was able to do that as an executive creative director because he understood the value of creative and finding the right people to do what he needed to do, as opposed to like ego.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: It's a sweatshop. I think creatives talk a lot about that too, like the culture of a sweatshop. You know, no matter how creative you are, you know, they give you some bullshit that doesn't light your fire.
1: So, Rebecca, let's talk about LinkedIn because. That naturally feels like a great source for, you know, people who are starting to get a little anxious about, you know, what might happen. And I know you worked there before, so can you give any good advice about how to use that for good?
0: Absolutely. I think it is obviously and currently the largest platform to talk about our career journey, how to find a job. Also space for learning. They have a huge learning platform where you can consume content to help you push your career forward and sharpen tools and your skills. I think when you are caught in a position and you are impacted because you've lost your job due to a layoff, I think it's a perfect place to one announce that you are looking for something or you're open to something. And there are actual features on the platform that can alert other people. I think the other thing too, that it's imperative is that you outline your skills and your experience and clearly define what your role was, especially if you are a people leader. One of the biggest things that people are always looking for when they're hiring is your skills to manage people and manage business. I think if you're a creative Making sure that your portfolio really captures the breadth of work that you can do. Selfishly, I'm looking for a senior copywriter with amazing broadcast and conceptual skills. <laughs> 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 but like, make that make that obvious. I think the other thing too that I've loved to see on there, especially like from a, a content perspective, that I think resonates with us and what we're doing is, I love to see all of the thought leadership, like people who are posting regularly about what's happening in the industry, what's happening even in the social justice space, like have a personality on there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I would even say, don't forget to be humble. I think there's no value in having a thousand LinkedIn followers. And then if you do get laid off, you are not humble enough to go and make a post that says, Hey guys, I'm looking for a job. Yes, That makes no sense to me. I think that humility part and just maximizing the network is important.
0: I think so too. And also, I think the other thing that I love too is people who have openly said, you know, I need help. I don't think that we've been in a position in the past where we're even allowed to say that there used to be, and there probably still is quite a bit of shame around if you get laid off. I feel like we might've touched a bit on that earlier, but, you know, knowing that if you are impacted, it is not about your performance. Unfortunately, again, you know, the business that we're in is for profit. And so sometimes resources have to be scaled back. So if you are a part of the layoff, you know, it stings, but you got to just jump back in there, like truly jump back in there, you know, have coffees, virtual coffees, get your resume done. There's a ton of people that are on the platform that are doing lives. A woman I used to work with, uh, I don't know her well, but I'm a super fan. Her name is Ronnie Dickerson. She goes live, I feel like, every other day. And she talks about like if you're stuck in your career, or how you can do that. So she's a champion of that. So again, finding people that are creating content on there that support you know, your next play.
1: Yeah, that's really important. If you are somebody and you start having chats with recruiters, how can you tell if the job is real? Because I know a lot of people, we've had conversations where they felt like mm-hmm, they kind of got used by the system a little bit they spent two or three weeks with a recruiter and then they kind of felt like maybe they were just being kind of pulled in for maybe some other reasons. So how can you tell the job is real?
0: For sure. I will say if you are seeking a new role, at least how I manage my desk as a recruiter, one, I'm very serious about the roles that I am looking for. I am open to say and to any candidate to ask me that very question. Like, when are you planning on hiring this role? Is this role actually funded? Do you have internal candidates that you're considering? Like, get a good sense of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish. And the reason why I say that is because what people don't know inside of talent acquisition is that when an open position comes along, there's so many considerations that are happening. We're thinking about somebody who could potentially take the role internally, we might have referrals from a client or from a good friend or from somebody who used to work here, or even a lot of companies have referral programs. Referrals will get, again, kind of pushed to the front of the, the class. And then also knowing like how long they're going to interview for. I will also say, in the climate that we're in, I know that sometimes it could feel like if you're a person of color that maybe you have been considered to meet, you know, some sort of quota. Quota,
1: right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Hey, this has been a topic of conversation within our peer group for sure. Yeah. Especially after 2020, when a lot of promises were made, and a lot of people they get the the call or the first reach out. So now they're part of the interview pool, but they feel like the offer never follows. So I think it creates a little bit of skepticism. Am I being recruited or am I being used?
0: And I will tell you both. I will tell you both. And how do we know that, Corey? Because there used to be a narrative that we didn't exist at all. But like I can give you two handfuls of amazing creatives of color who could lead your business. And so if you've met with all of them and none of them landed a job, then one plus one equals two. So again, yes, sometimes it does feel like it is performative. Which is why we've got, I think, amazing people in these general market agencies who are really speaking out about it. I think Walt is definitely one of those voices who pushes against that. You know, they've got that one film about the ECDs and CCOs who are living inside of the general market space who are black. Those voices are necessary to talk about exactly what you were hitting on. You know, why are there only seven?
1: So let's say the hammer drops the day you fear finally comes to fruition and now you have to like set yourself in action really quickly. I think the only advice I would say is like, do not let the fear and anxiety ruin you. You have options, you have time and more importantly, you have talent that walk out because I've been on the other side where I'm walking somebody out of a box that is uncomfortable. You get like 10 minutes to shut down your computer and you got to go. You got leader premises, right? That sucks. But after that, there's a huge opportunity to bounce back to show the people that let you go that they maybe should let somebody else go. <laughs>
0: right. Right. Or find something in, you know, in the future. You know, I always say that, you know, my past is a great reference point, but it is not a destination and it gets greater later. So to your point, you know, what do you do? Put in action, you know, again be scared and sad for a little while, but set the alarm clock and you know get out there. The same way you got into the last position you were in, you will find yourself in a new role.
1: And today we, we just have way more tools to alert people, to create new things and to put those things in front of people who are higher. So stay optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a rough time out here right now and it's affecting a lot of us And this is just part of advertising. I've always, I never used to bring personal pictures or anything to my office, and people be like, "Why does it look so plain and barren here?" (laughs) And I was just, you know, I was really scarred. I was like, "Because if I have to walk out with a box, it's going to be a little box, right? It's going to be a tiny ass box." You know what I mean? So, yeah, I've never made myself at home, and I think that's just the scars of seeing it too many times.
0: Yeah. And now it's so different because for a lot of people who are virtual or hybrid, you know, it, it happens between, you know, we talked about it earlier about up in the air. Is that, that's that movie, right? Yeah. It's like that now, you know. Zoom, so, right. You yeah. it's you turn just, the
1: computer and that's it.
0: That's it. You t- You close the monitor and they send you a label and, you know, you unplug. That is unnerving, you know, in this new world. So that's why, you know, again, hop on the platforms and like you said. Be humble, but share your story and connect with people, and get to your next play quickly. You know, from a paperwork perspective, read all the paperwork that you receive. Learn about when your benefits start, when they stop. See if you can afford. You know, there are people that have children who are covered under their insurance and who are have therapies and medications. So, really figure that out. You know, if you have to go into in, unemployment. That is a benefit that you pay into. So there should be no shame around that. That money is owed to you. So if you need to access that, do that. Know that it's a storm and it's just a time as this. And then, you know, eventually you will bump into something that honestly could be really, really great. To be honest with you, Corey, when it happened to me, I took the shittiest job ever and it pushed me to find the next best opportunity. So, like, you know, also don't just take anything, you know, because you're desperate.
1: And I think the lesson moving forward is, especially if you're going to survive this industry for a long time, is to not just be so dependent on your job. Yes. You have to cultivate other opportunities, other revenue streams. You have to cultivate other ways to show off your talents. Yeah. You know, when you start to stop thinking of yourself as simply an employee and more of an entrepreneur or a business person it changes the mentality it changes the relationship that you have with your job moving
0: forward yeah and the managing of your time i'm so glad that you mentioned that like i remember at the height of you know tech is having a challenge right now but like in their greatest heyday of scaling they would hire people and offer them from a time perspective, 80% of your time would belong to Google. And then 20% of the time you could focus on your own endeavors. So like if you were in the tech space and you wanted to invent something, you could work on products and utilize their resources to go into like your dream. And so that was the first time I had even considered like, oh, I could manage my time where I don't, to your point, like I'm not just this person at this Job. I can maximize and optimize my time where I can seek out passions, other revenue streams, and connectivity. And I think in this new world that we're in, especially from a job perspective, in our culture, we used to hide that. Like if you did have a side hustle, nobody knew that you were a poet.
1: Hey, this podcast. We this was a labor of love. We're not making any money on it. You right. Know, <laughs> you know, this, this is just something else. <laughs> We decided that we wanted to put out so young Black people entering the business could find a place that had catalog stories that they could learn from, right? Yes. But when you pull back and think about it, it's also self-serving in a way. True. Our names are attached to this. A potential next employer, next, next, next employer could be listening. You never know. Yes. But the point is, you are more than your nine to five job.
0: Yes. And you
1: need to continue and always be thinking about different ways to put yourself out there, to let people see your talent.
0: Yes. And to be honest, like from a recruiting perspective though, nowadays that's even more attractive. Like I love to be able to talk to a creative director who not only is like a CD at an agency, but he just happens to be a world-class DJ. Oh, he also designs sneakers. He right? Like that is a very attractive thing now in terms of talent acquisition before it was like you had to give your whole self to the job but i think now with passions like it actually i think influences the work that we do like at least that's what i see so like i imagine to your point like this is a labor of love it gives you inspiration it gives you happiness you go to work probably 10 points happier
1: (laughs) for sure yeah yeah that's what you know for creatives i said you're makers right if you're making stuff at work when I follow you home, the trail shouldn't end there. Right. When I follow you home, your house should be filled with all of this different kind, all the different things you're making. Yes. You know, well, Rebecca, I think we've come to the end of another episode. Okay. I think this is a good one. I'm happy. We got a chance to kind of chat about this at least for a little bit because I know a lot of people are going through it.
0: Yes. And if there's anything we can do, you know, pop into our DMS and uh, we'll do our best to point you in the right direction
1: our email is invisible soldiers podcast at gmail.com if you ever feel like throwing us a note on that note thanks for listening to another episode of the invisible soldiers podcast find us wherever you listen to podcasts appreciate you peace peace